TotalSportCards.com, Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. to the Rampage Ramble, the show where we love to ramble, and eventually we talk about some Rampage. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Dick Xavier. Dick Dax, how's it going? Uh, not too bad. How's everybody doing? Happy Black History Month and Super Bowl weekend. You know, I'm from Philly. I got to say it. Go Eagles. I was literally <laughs> going to say, literally going to say, that was going to be part of our ramble. Uh, you know, small minor thing happening tomorrow night. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, man. Are you excited? Yeah, actually, just uh, before we even started, um, you know, coming in here, I actually did my due diligence. So I had to grease every pole in my neighborhood. So I am all set. We are all prepared. Everybody's a go to drunken. will have their fun, <laughs> but we're going to be slipping and tripping tomorrow. Yep. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. You guys better pull it off. Uh, but the reality, I, I do think that Kansas is going to win. But uh, my heart <laughs> my heart says Philly. My brain says Kansas. You know, I we weren't. this isn't the first time we were looked at as underdogs. If you recall, the last time we yep. did, oh, big time. we beat the unbeatable. Yep, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, anything can happen. And, yep. like, and I'll, I'll tell you a story, too, because... Um, I'm, here's the thing. I'm not the biggest football fan at all. Like, I'm not even going to jump on a bandwagon and even try. But I got friends who are. And one of those friends just happened to be the voice of Naruto, Molly <laughs> yes. Flanagan. There you go. Who is a major Patriots fan. And so what does she do to antagonize me and bully me on Twitter when Twitter was actually, you know, safe and holy for what it was at the time during that time? She tweets me and puts me on blast and like, yeah, let's do a bet. Let's do a mayoral bet. Let's do you go. It's it's cheesesteaks versus the lobster rolls. So we did a bet. And I'm thinking like, all right, I got to find a damn place to, that actually makes Philly cheesesteaks in, in the West Coast. <laughs> Figure it out. Lo and behold, we won that damn bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was loving this because it was like, well, first of all, it was great promotion for me, for my podcast and everything. So. The fact that she even went out and did that was awesome. And I'm thinking, like, I'm actually doing a Super Bowl bet with one of my favorite, the voices of my favorite anime characters ever. You yeah. can't beat this. <laughs> um, and, and the fact that I won, and she she lived up to her word. She actually sent a uh, gift, a gift uh, certificate to one of the 
best lobster places in our in our city. Nice. <laughs> and I was, awesome. you know, it's been, it was an awesome time. Like I, I'll always remember that, and and will forever. Not only that, but she also went and um, if you'll see on my on my page, if they win, this will happen. She actually did uh, a soundbite for me as well, saying, hey, "This is Naruto Uzumaki, Go Eagles." So I used that. And making a whole entire uh, video uh, deal with it with the Eagles uh, theme to it. It's awesome. I love that so freaking much. You know what? Honestly, that's the beauty of like you know the the world, the crazy world that we're in, right? Of podcasting and stuff. Um, yeah. Just the people that you meet. Sometimes it's like you just get this instant connection, uh, and you you just shoot the shit with people, and yeah. you just never know. You get these amazing random stories just like that, right? Yeah. It, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it goes to show it's like one thing, if you got a good package, if you got a good brand, you can really go far with it. And then also never be afraid to reach out. Never be afraid to, you know, shoot your shot because it does. Now, me and her are like great friends. Um, you know, she's also a client of mine as well from time to time. And it's been an awesome few years. She looks out for me, no doubt. Like, I, I'll never forget these moments. And it, it just goes to show the, the work that gets put into these these things. And I, you know, wouldn't take it back for the world. Oh, 100%, 100%, man. And that is including meeting, being on the show with you as well. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, no. Like, that's the thing, right? Like, the amount of people that I've met just absolutely randomly and, you know, consider friends now, uh, it, yeah. it's just crazy. Like, even Matt, right? Matt is a yeah. perfect example of this. Like, yeah, we lived in the same house, but, like, in different apartments, same house, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> we knew of each other because of the place we knew right. that the other person liked wrestling but we never really like sat down and had a conversation until we became podcasting partners so it's just it's just crazy right. um you know everything that that that's happened because of that but like yeah it's it just it's so much fun um yeah so super bowl sunday so speaking of that uh, Matt and I are going to be chatting all things Super Bowl and then some on the sports <laughs> side on BAM. Uh, we have so much to chat about, uh, but, uh, you know, just uh, just one of the many, many shows here on the SNME Radio Network of Podcasts. Essentially, if you like anything in this world, there's going to be a show for you now, and that's the beauty of this place. Uh, and just remember that you can become a member, a part of the family, I like to call it, uh, if you go to patreon.com slash Radio uh, for just five bucks each and every single month. Uh, you get not only this show, not only every wrestling show, but everything else we have. Uh, and what's really cool is that even this morning, you know, you know we debuted a new MMA show. Uh, that one's going to be a, I think it's going to be a monthly, or at least mm -hmm. uh, right before the cards and stuff like that. Uh, uh, but we're, you know, we're right now we're we're just we're we're seeing what people are really wanting to listen to. Right. This is where feedback is really helpful. Uh, but you know, it, it's huge They're stuff here a happening. City. Sorry? A city is being built in Canada radio. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> a little, little flavor, a little something for everybody. Uh, so, yeah, man. So, honestly, best of luck to the Eagles, my friend. Mm -hmm. I'm really rooting mm -hmm. for them. Uh, but like I said, I, I just, you know, Kansas is Kansas right now. Uh, but really, I just want the Eagles to win. And then and, and the Eagles seem to be my nephew's team, uh, which I don't know how that happened, but uh, yeah. that was a thing that happened. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the so Eagles yeah. are everybody's superhero. I mean, that's the best way to put it. I mean, like they, I feel like that even people who aren't from Philadelphia or the or even the um, tri-state area, which or the Delaware Valley area, I should say, which is you know Pennsylvania, Delaware, Jersey, because whenever we win, they share the glory with us. Um, people seem to. I noticed from the last time that people seem to cling on to the Eagles as if they are Captain America, yeah. in a sense. And the last time they did, it was like it was it, it it had such a heroic feel to it, as opposed to any other team that I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. Um. So so that is that. What else is going on in the world? Uh, the video gaming world. Oh man, you and I. So. <laughs> So much going on. So, so much going on in the video gaming world. Real quick, let's talk Nintendo because on, on my podcast, I just did the uh, Select Star video game podcast. I had fun. So much fun talking about Nintendo this day because Nintendo does what they call Nintendo Direct. And they do, they basically, it, it, for those who don't know, like Nintendo is a company that has been around for uh, over 130 years. Yep. <laughs> Dating back to 1889. That's crazy. Now, like, granted, they weren't building video games for that long. They started out with um, what they what do they call it? Uh, Hita Fune cards, I believe yep. they called. You know, I have them actually right here. And um, they they you know started making toy lines, and then in the 80s, that's when the Nintendo Entertainment System came in, and they've been you know upset. But they know video games, and they know how to make. Pe- they know how to promote. And that's what I love. The Nintendo Direct showcases always never disappoint. And they always come up with some awesome announcements, some great releases day of, and some great surprises. One of which, I think, aside from Zelda, uh, Tears, uh, what is it? I forgot the, the next uh, Breath Tears of the Wild of game. Yeah, thank you. The surprise shadow drop of Metroid Prime. I knew people were going to lose their shit. I was like, yeah. I was nobody saw that coming. Nobody came by. I was like, that is insane. And it, it's not just like a port. It is a remaster yep. that they that nobody knew about. <laughs> yeah, I'm that was that came out of left field and and that's the beauty. You I think you summarized Nintendo and these directs best, right? There's always yeah. things that you know are gonna be discussed, right? And that's the whatever the big next in-house release is going to be whether that be the next mario game mario kart game legend of zelda game mm-hmm. pokemon game whatever but then they always give you a little little something to to really just latch on to nintendo and you know for for the nintendo is such an amazing system was it this week alone that they became the fourth highest selling console the switch became the fourth yeah. highest selling console in all of history yeah and also, in my opinion, the greatest console they've ever done. Yes. To date. There is no doubt. In my, there's Say what you will about the Joy-Cons itself, but like this whole concept, the innovation, because they're the masters of innovation. Um, it's one of my favorite consoles that they ever had. And I, and I love the, the Super NES or Famicom. I love um, the 64 for what it was. And the GameCube was cool. This right here was all that combined. And the only thing that's missing is a power glove at this point. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's it, deservingly so. Um, it, people under, people doubt them out, count them out all the time. But yet we get something like Breath of the Wild, who beats out some major AAA powerhouses from like PlayStation and, and Xbox. And they wonder like, how do they keep doing it? Because they've been around for a long time, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. They understand the market. They know that their market, I don't want to say it's a niche because it's not, yeah. but it is a It is sub- above. It is definitely above. It's a subsection of of the video game market, right? And I think yeah. they really truly understand that. They really truly understand how to capture kids, right? With mm-hmm. Pokemon, Pokemon Snap. And I think, yeah. you know, for me, it was we that really showed this, right? Where yes. they... They're just great. They they just they just understand the game and they continue to understand the game. Um, so that was Nintendo well, Direct. Here's another thing week. too, which what made the Wii so successful because they tapped into a demographic that they never tapped into before, and that is actually the senior citizen demographic. Yep. I, from when I used from a person who used to work at a uh, nonprofit organization for Alzheimer's and dementia, we use the Wii to help stimulate people with early onset and such like that. They were used in retirement homes. Yeah. It's, it's never hit. That's a market nobody's ever hit before. Yeah, that's that's the beauty, right? Like sports just, alone. Yeah. <laughs> they it's grabbed... Oh, that that there's a lot of feedback there from your from your stereo system. Um, <laughs> they grabbed... And that's probably my voice, half of it. They grabbed the housewife demographic. Need we say more? Yeah, absolutely. No, they they really did, and I, I I'm always I'm always going to be a fan of them because of what they are were able to do. It's it's just they're they're awesome, and and I, what I love about it too is that no matter what PlayStation or or whatever what PlayStation or Xbox does, they're competing with each other. Nintendo doesn't really compete; they just sit in the side and just let them do what they do. They're always going to be there. They, you know what they are? They're a stable ECW. They're if ECW had all the money and proper <laughs> management humanly possible, right? They're just doing their that thing is well in, the, said. in the corner. <laughs> that is well said. I like how that. I like how you rolled that off. It's like if Paul Heyman had actually, actually looked out and got help. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what 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 could have been? What would have been? Right? Actually, there would have been no ROH if there was still ECW. That is uh, very true. And technically, NXT wouldn't have gotten their inspiration either. Exactly. Exactly. What's funny is, oh, man. So I've always had this, like, thought of having this, like, what if type of oh, podcast. You know, what that's a if, good one. you know, Bret Hart jumped ship in 96 when he wow. was supposed to, right? Like, what if so-and-so happened? What if whatever, right? Like, and obviously inspired by the comics and 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 the, yeah. their what if scenarios, right? Uh, what but if I think Punk that, and, the, and the Bucks didn't do what they do it all out? Yeah, it would be one hundred percent fantasy booking. But I think it would be really cool to kind of It'd just like dive in and just just have this conversation of the what if. What if the Young Bucks actually, uh, you know, stayed in TNA or they signed with WWE, oh, right? Oh, what if what if like Teddy Hart? <laughs> didn't do all the stuff that he did <laughs> exactly. and get into the trouble that he did. Did you ever watch that Teddy Hart documentary? Let me tell you something about that Teddy Hart documentary. I couldn't get, I can, after watching the first episode, I could not watch this. It was nauseating. Yeah. It was, it was a great, it, it, it was great for what it was, but it was so one, I get upset about him. Yes, because he's just one of those guys. I, one of my pet peeves is people who waste their talent and abilities that could go so far. And this dude had when he first wrestled in ROH, and we first saw him for the first time. And you know, 
I was amazed by what this dude can do when yeah. I was watching him live. And I found that, and when he found out that he was a heart, I'm like, whoa, the next generation of heart is going to be huge. And then he did it at that R Wright show and then just took liberties with everything. And it's just like, that was just beginning. And it just, it, it just went down from it. It was like when I, how I felt when John Jones started acting stupid. Yes, exactly. You know, it was that thing. It was like, you got so much potential. I'm, I'm inspired by this. And then you wasted all the ways and watching that documentary. It broke my heart. I yeah. think that's the best way to put it. It's just it broke my heart and I couldn't watch the rest the other two. I think it's like what three of them, right? Something three like episodes. That, yeah. 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 I couldn't watch the other two because it was just like, what more can I what more the more did I need to see? Yeah. It, it doesn't go it, there is no good note from this point. It's like watching, you know, um Sons of Anarchy. You know what happens to Jax. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Man, I you know, I never funny Sons of Anarchy. That's a show like I'd watched after the fact like after it same here i was a late bloomer same here same here and and i just like binged it in like a week not even not even just remember like the lady friend and i just like just completely she's like hey start watching this show i'm like fine <laughs> might as well and uh yeah and ron just, perlman and katie seagal just sucked you in man yeah Oh, 100 percent. Just oh, exactly. Um, so taking a couple step back, let's talk. Go back to Nintendo. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Legend of Zelda, Tears of the yeah. Kingdom. Oh, man, I cannot wait for that. I can't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just um, I'm cleaning the throne because they're going to need it. I think they're going to I think they're going to take the throne again. They're going to reclaim the throne in 2023. Yep, I, I think so, too. I, I really got high hopes for this game. I, it's coming out in May. I'm so looking forward to it. I, I It's hard for me to play Breath of the Wild again because I got so religiously sucked into that game. It was it was it was like, I, I guess euphoria, if you want to put it to that sense. And I was I never got into a game like I did with Breath of the Wild. And for them to do what they did with the limitations that they had. But it was still an open world game that you, you look at games like Horizon. I was literally going to say. And as great as Horizon uh, Forbidden West was in Horizon in second by Horizon uh, Zero Dawn, it was limited compared to what, what, what Breath of the Wild did in terms of even just ex- exploration. You couldn't climb up the walls. It was just a limited, like the climate factor. You, yep. if, if you're in a cold area, an Arctic area, you got to put on some warm clothes. The log- the logistics of that. You go into a desert, you wear no same worn clothes, you gotta take them off, your energy's gonna deplete. It's yep. just brilliantly done. I can't wait to see what you're gonna be able to do in this one. That's the thing, right? I think those elements literally and figuratively is is really what make Zelda Zelda in general. But with yeah. the switch, they just turned it up a notch, right? Like it would like that game was so well done just as an action adventure game, as an open world game, yada yada yada. But it was just yeah. it's just a smart game. Just a smart game. So we got word on Zelda, which is kind of what everyone was expecting. We heard more yeah. of a Metroid Prime, which is such a near and dear of uh, uh, franchise uh, for a lot of people. Um, and at and then- first for me, by the way. I've never played Metroid Prime before, and I'm going to play it this week. Excellent. It'll be my Excellent. absolute first. Because here, here's the thing. I would never like first-person shooters, and it took until recent for me to really get into it. So I figured, like, okay, this was destined for me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I just liked Metroid 2 for the Game Boy. 
Uh, that that's mm, the game yes. that really got me into Metroid. Uh, so sp- since then, I, I was kind of like following Metroid and and doing that thing. Um, we also got word about the whole Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance stuff. I already been I, I've already been playing Tetris nonstop. <laughs> I gotta jump on that. I gotta jump on that. Like I literally have my Switch charging here beside me right now. Uh, took it out of storage. Um, it's just I've been so busy that uh, I just mm-hmm. haven't had time. I'm like, okay, gonna dedicate some time to the Switch. Uh, a couple nights ago, I actually turned it on, and um, I've had someone staying with me like on weekends and stuff. So this was, I guess, last weekend. Um, yeah. And I start playing the Switch while I'm just chilling out of bed, uh, mm-hmm. and and then you know I, I just get into it with 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 uh, Mario Kart online. I'm like. I'm just, uh. <sighs> Just so good. Just so freaking good. So much fun. <laughs> but no, uh, I mean, the fact that they brought those classics back and the minute I saw some of them, it just it it the nostalgia just hit of what I was doing when I was playing this game at the time. Gargoyles Quest from Capcom. I, I, that was such an awesome, awesome game at the time. And I'm so glad that they brought that back. Um, you know, again, you know, I I think Metroid 2 I never uh, got to play, but now I'm going to try to play it. But right after I play Prime and all that stuff, but kudos to them for bringing that. And then on top of that, the DS library. Yes. Which was really good. Question, is this available if you have the regular online or you do need that above Game Boy, regular online, DS, online plus expansion. Yeah, so that's the one that has like N64, right? Yes, And, and Sega Genesis as well. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, good to know because I have the family plan, right? So, yeah. um, I, 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 because I just stopped playing the Switch for so long, I never mm-hmm. upgraded. So I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna sit down, figure out what I need to do, because uh, I'm gonna be playing that. Because a few weeks ago, actually, right before Royal Rumble, um, mm-hmm. I went up upstairs to Matt's place, and yeah. you know, started he started playing uh, GoldenEye, and I'm like, oh my, God. oh wow. Yeah, that was another one like that right there. That is like, you know, you talk about Metroid Prime. That's the original. <laughs> Imagine the if they re- remastered that one. <laughs> the amount of hours, my friend, that I spend playing <laughs> GoldenEye. That was the original Call of Duty. That was the original yeah. game that got your friends all together. Uh, and Absolutely. You, you know, and, and you guys played for hours, you know, knives, only one tap. No, not allowed to use <laughs> Boris, basically. Um, yeah, GoldenEye, such a such a fun game. And still, the best pause music ever. <laughs> you ever watch the Family Guy episode when they uh, pay homage to that? Yeah, yeah. It is so. I love when he pay. I, I love when he when Seth uh, McFarlane plays homage to, uh, to uh, video games. That Double Dribble and Tecmo Bowl are my favorite episodes. Yeah, Tecmo Bowl. (laughs) Oh, that game. Oh, that game. That game, that game, that game. Oh, so such a good stuff. These kids today don't understand, man. No, they don't. They don't. Tecmo Bowl was just so much fun. Uh, I also like Blades of Steel. That was another classic for me. There you go. It was, I I know crap about hockey. I just knew why I wanted to, I just wanted to fight. That game essentially (laughs) taught me hockey. And I, I, for some reason, I thought you needed to push someone three times before you got in a fight every, in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Now, kiddos, you only wish. Yeah, I know. Kiddos, that is funny because in Blades (laughs) of Steel, you literally had to go face to face and mm-hmm. tap on the person like literally skate into him three times before and that People would play that game just solely just for that reason yeah 
people watch hockey solely for the fight. So right, exactly. Go. Now, funny because there was arcade version first, which you know the graphics are much better and everything. But the fact that they ported a eight bit version of it and it still was solid, it was just awesome. Boy, good times. Dude, I'm telling you, the these devs, these these devs who did what they did with the limited RAM and and storage and graphical and everything, dude. Can you imagine? This is why developers of that era hate developers today. Because developers <laughs> today have endless resources available mm-hmm. to them. Um, and let me tell you, they don't they don't think about stuff like that. They don't think about memory management. They don't think about about uh, stuff like that. Because they, they don't have to exactly, right? With the exception of with, with the exception of indie developers, which Indie developers, I love a lot of indie developers, especially the ones that I've ever interviewed, like from WayForward or um, Yacht Club Games or something like that. Yeah. These guys are coming from those big corporations, and they were like, they were, they were, they, you know, these corporations were hindering their creativity. So a lot of these guys came out and did their own stuff, and it like, um, which one? I would say um, there's a few of them. I know way some of the guys at WayForward are some. Um, that some of the guys I used to, you know, uh, I, I interviewed were coming from like EA and all these other places. And they were like, you know, I'm, st- I'm, I'm tired. I want, yeah. You know, I would love this industry and I want to do my own thing. <laughs> Honestly, if you haven't watched Indie Game the Movie, that's a documentary from I Want to Say 2012. Yes. Go out and watch it just to understand what we were just saying. Because these are yeah. people who are so creative. They love video games. They love development. They love everything about that. They love puzzles. They love entertainment. Yeah. But they're just tired of the industry and they're tired of working for the man. And they just want to make, you know, they just want to make it on their own, right? Um, and it's such a good game. That's where I was actually really uh, exposed to, like, uh, Meat Boy and stuff like that. Yeah. I tell you what, like one of my favorite uh, indie developers, Greg Casavan, he's from Super Giant Games. You may not know the name, but you know the game, Hades. Yep. Yeah, I knew exactly <laughs> what game sto- you were going to say, Hades. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, he uh, he used to work for um, Gaming Media. I think he worked for Gamespot, but he wanted to do his own thing. He worked with a bunch of people who worked and did their thing, and you know, I, I love the industry. I love that part of the industry because these are guys who are trying to prove, not only prove their worth in the industry, but also, um. They're, they're, they're trying to, re, you know, trying to keep the essence of the art and essence of video gaming. And retro gaming is one of the best things about it. Like some of the stuff that they come out with. It's just, it, it's an awesome, this is the great part about video games that there's different genres and levels that you can create in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Man, so we brought back. The It's Cannon podcast this past week, uh, and I had a meeting with the guys just yesterday. We're trying to like you know brainstorm some topic ideas. Yeah. What we like to do is I like to say we have the you know the 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 the, the read, play, watch segment, which is kind of everything comics, books, comics, yeah. and books. Um, <laughs> watching whatever movies, TV shows, and then playing video games, right? So that's yeah. segment one. The segment two is always more like that topic to jour. Sometimes we'll just yeah. shoot the shit when we literally feel like it. But we try to always <laughs> have like a major topic. And we're just like throwing some stuff. Um, I think on Monday we're going to be talking about Activision and what's going on with Activision. Because that's a juicy the story. The current state of Activision. In other yes, words. the current state. Yeah. Where they might have to be broken up, yada, yada, yada. And that introduces a whole slew of things. And this is coming from the UK. But something that Tyler and I 
had talked about about a year ago, two years ago even, actually, as Biden was bringing up his administration, we're like, the person who's running um, is not the SEC, uh, but uh, I forget which um, department, this person essentially wrote the new book on what the definition of a monopoly is. And yeah. the, the Biden administration is going to start, you're going to start seeing what happened in Europe for so many years happen here stateside. And that's, and yeah. you're starting to see a lot of that. And that's going to affect companies like, you know, a lot of tech companies, but it's also going to affect a lot of video game companies. And we're already seeing this fallout with Activision. Uh, so, you know, with this whole, you know, one, one, one rule, one world to rule them all that Xbox is yeah. trying to do, right? And all of their acquisitions, I will see what's going to happen. So that, that's I what mean, we're going to be talking about on Monday. What are your that thoughts? That was a whole quickly? issue with the uh, Overwatch situation, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When when they when they acquire Overwatch and it was like people were like about to be pissed because of that. And and everybody has their foot in that type of like you got let me see. You got Nintendo who's also working with uh I believe um Platinum Games. Yeah. You know, to do exclusivities and stuff like that. You got Sony with their own exclusivities. Uh yeah, it's it's it, things are gonna have to ration out. Right. Exactly. Right. Like you're you're going to you're going to I think I, I don't know what we're going to see. I have to sit down, do some research and think about this a little more. Uh, so that's going to be yeah. Monday's episode. Uh, we're also going to be talking about streaming services, obviously, and stuff like that. But not only like because now here in Canada, Netflix mm -hmm. has finally introduced their password sharing stuff. A lot of my yeah. friends are starting to get that notification and all that fun stuff mm -hmm. uh, and the anchors really coming out. So we're going to be talking about that, but we're also going to be talking about things, services like Pluto TV, right? Like, and, mm -hmm. and how that's in a sense becoming a small little disruptor in this entire game. Uh, but you know, the, basically the, and funny, the they've been around for so long and now they just get now noticed. It's like the Wu-Tang clan. It's like, yeah. they've been out for a minute and y'all just now here and protect your neck after like five years later. So true. <laughs> So freaking true. Um, <laughs> that is the greatest way to put it. Um, what else are we going to be talking about? We're going to, oh yeah, we're going to be tying that essentially back to like just the craziness that is the stream. We're going to be talking about the dan the downfall of NFTs because like we you know we just we talked about this and I predicted this from day I'm rooting zero. for you guys on that episode. Yeah, like <laughs> I was just like whatever. Uh, can, I, can I tell you real quick, before, real quick with that one? Because as a graphic designer myself, how BS I thought the whole entire thing was in the first place. Oh yeah, the logic of it yeah. made no sense. The, the 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 business practice of it, the paywall, whatever it it a whole thing just. I'm like, you're charging millions of dollars for a JPEG. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the science behind a JPEG? They don't last long. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. The last less than tattoos. Let me tell you that one. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so we're kind of planning that. Uh, but it feels so good being able to like I love talking wrestling. Don't get me. Don't get me like started. I love talking wrestling. Uh, mm -hmm. But being able to geek out is, is always a lot of fun. Because like that is like what I do. That's literally right. what I do talk to some of the companies and i sometimes have to skirt a little bit because some of the companies that we'll talk about are companies that i have affiliation with whether it be mm -hmm. 
through partnership or something uh, through work. So I kind of have to be careful sometimes, but that's always fun. I, th- I think that's part of the game. Uh, but yes. yeah, <laughs> sh- short story long. It feels great being able to geek out again uh, with that. And we got to get you on the show soon. Uh, that that's, uh, that's something we got to do. Not a problem. I think I can help out in it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, what else is going on? What else? Oh, how many times have you watched uh, Black Panther so far? Crap. <laughs> I think I was going to uh, my third time. And I actually watched the um, the assembly, the, the, uh, the behind the scenes assemble episode as well. I'm trying to watch it without crying. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. That's Good the, luck. that's the goal is to try to watch it without tearing up. But damn, they do such a great job with that, man. We we talked about it when we uh when we reviewed it on my show. And I haven't watched it since that time. And I because I don't like watching I don't like watching it to a point that I'll get tired of watching it. I want to, you know, preserve that emotion and and you know impact that I had when I first watched it. So I'll wait till it comes out on Disney Plus and yeah, dude, I think I even did more than I did in the theater because I was in a the theater and I'm part of me is trying to man up. <laughs> but <laughs> I was at home. I was like there was no go. It was like the minute Rihanna hit that song, I was like son of a bitch. <laughs> I can't hear that song without honestly feeling like my eye just like once you hear her song, and this is why she deserves an Oscar, because once you hear the song, you it doesn't go away. Yeah, it's it's it serenades in your brain for like as much as the the, the Tetris theme song. Yeah, I'm thinking about <laughs> it, really it right does. now. I'm thinking exactly. about it right now. But it adds on when you watch that scene with Suri at the end. Yes, and it just Brian Coogler does such a great job knowing how to bring the emotion and when it gets utterly silent and you just let things settle and you, because it's silent, you're starting to, everything's starting to sink in. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant, man. That's how I felt watching last night's episode, this week's episode of the last of us. Oh God. That show is just fantastic. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. I haven't talked to you about this. Dude, holy I, man! I, wow, I've never played. I, I, you know what? I think the more I watch this show, I may actually invest in that game <laughs> because Just the characters, the characters are so freaking good. The storylines. I don't even think we talked about um, Offerman's. Uh, you nope. know, the last uh, time that in, we spoke the third- was the night be- the day before yes. that episode. My God. People don't understand that man has played roles where he, and I mentioned this when I talked about it on my show, he does a lot of manly roles, yeah, masculine roles for him to play the role of Bill and do what he did with that role. And he just went all out and somehow still remain strong and, 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 and like a strong character. He, he needs to get nominated. No, that, that whole episode no. needs to get nominated. I know. I will be shocked if he doesn't win. Let's not even talk about nominations. He is winning something come Emmy time in September. This is the best I've ever seen that dude. I watch him on The Great North. I watch him on uh uh you know um what is this show that he Arts was on originally? Yes, he was on that. Um, I watched him in a lot of things, even the sling commercials. He's a funny dude, yeah. but he plays, he has this gimmick that he he's like the rough and tough old school, you know, porn mustache type of guy from the seventies. 
that's his role. But like, no, he did. So, he he went all out in a way that we'd never seen him before. He was vulnerable yet still strong, and he embraced this character of him. And uh, what was the other character name? Frank. Yeah, him and Frank, and you felt there. You felt them, man. Like you really felt the relationship that these guys had in this pan in this crazy, crazier pandemic that we actually had. And it was just a crazy story. And I know they derive from the, you know, from the norm, but like I'm glad they did because it was such a touching story. It was a gripping story. Um, kudos to them, and I'm glad that they made it more than an hour. <laughs> that could have been. A, it was a movie in itself. Well. Okay, so that episode was about an hour and 20 minutes. Hour and 16, to be exact. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Apparently, there is a cut that exists somewhere in this world. It Correct. is The Last of Us, like the Snyder Cut version of Last I of Us episode I think they should bring three. it out when this is all over. It's a two-hour cut of that episode, and apparently it had execs bawling. Yeah. I think they should issue. I, you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? We know about this. They're going to start a damn petition about this and somebody's going to, you know, suggest that they do show us this whole entire thing. I agree. I will rewatch this episode again. It was just so incredible. Yep. Like uh, I was, I watched TMZ a lot and Harvey Levin, who never plays a video game in his life, loves this show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that damn good. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It is so freaking good. I can't and believe last week's episode um, with Rose from uh, Two and a Half Men was awesome too. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. She that character is so good. Oh man. Uh, this past week's like last night's because of the yeah. Super Bowl, it got released on Friday. Oh my god, so good. So oh wait, good. the new episode's out. Yeah. Oh, I was not aware of this. Oh dude. <laughs> oh. 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 That means you can't I, say anything. I almost want to pause. <laughs> I always want to pause and regroup like in a couple of hours. <laughs> oh, oh, no, my God. Okay. We'll be back after these commercial messages, people. Right? <laughs> if this were the Simpsons, you would have just seen you like puff of smoke exactly. and then like the whole uh, we've got it like, like, you know. Uh, yeah, dude. Okay. So as soon as we finish recording, watch the episode. We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, you're going to you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Uh, it's getting a lot of episode three feels. That's oh, all I'm going to say. Okay. That's all you got to say now. It's episode three. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 like the way that they produce and, and create these characters, these supporting characters, yeah. just to show you how big this world is, right? It's just so mm -hmm. well done. So that's so, dude, yeah, just watch it. Just but, what, but what makes, what, what, real quick, but what makes the Last of Us so great for gamers is that if you need somebody who doesn't understand video games or has a misconception about video games, you show them this show and you didn't tell them that this is based on a video game and they were like, what? <laughs> That's the thing. That is the thing, right? And I think that is the power of where video games are. We talked about this last time, just the yeah. sheer amount of money. You know, there's a reason why uh, people like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, say what you want about him. Um, mm -hmm. Geeks know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, you know, there's a reason why he put so much effort and power into video games and side projects like that, uh, because yeah. that is where the medium of storytelling is is really taking us. I mean, it, you know, and kudos to I, I got to give credit to this. Kudos to Square Enix. 
I'm playing claim to them because Final Fantasy VII gave people an idea of how far we can go cinematically with video games. Yep. And it wasn't until Final Fantasy VII where we found, where we actually saw video games in a cinematic type of light. And then people started. It, it was it was kind of video game. It's the video game version of Blade. Yeah. For comic book movies. It was kind of like that where it's like, oh, wow, there is some potential. We can do something with this genre and we can take it far. And yep. have we taken it far? Yeah. People are getting time. paid. People <laughs> are getting paid to say the least. Oh, my God. Um, let's see how much money the new Harry Potter game rakes in. I'm very interested. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but uh, I did see some clips of it, but it looks really good. Yeah, it looks all right. I'm not playing it for many reasons, but... I'm just not a huge fan of Harry Potter to oh, begin with. I know there's many reasons not to. Yeah. <laughs> I do see a double standard in that game of Forspoken, though, but that's a whole other situation. We talked about that already, right? We already <laughs> talked about that, like personally, <laughs> offline. Um, so, yeah. So, watch Last of Us, everybody. If you haven't watched Last of Us, pause this mm-hmm. podcast, watch it, and come back to it. Uh, you're, we're only in the 40 minute mark. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, love it. All right. One line. Okay. We're going to jump to wrestling. But before we talk AEW, I want to talk New Japan Pro Wrestling a little bit. So this morning. Okay. So we're still stepping into the ring. So the- <laughs> we're stepping into the ring, but we're not stepping into Jacksonville just yet. We're going to pit stop in Tokyo for a little bit or Japan for a little bit. So earlier this morning, New Beginning, New Japan Pro Wrestling had their New Beginning show. And the reason why I want to talk about this a little bit is because there were really Two major matches that I want to really focus on. Uh, match of the year contenders already. Yes, I'm saying really? that. Yes. Okada. That is competing with that is competing with Osprey and uh, Omega. Yes. Not. Ow. I still think Osprey and Omega is number one. But these matches okay. are, are, are really. They're in the, they're in the, they're in the, uh, in the mix. Yeah, for sure. The, the first match I want to talk about is Okada versus Shingo Takaki. Uh, that Ooh. was for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, that was a really good match. Shingo, you see, this is why I get up. I got upset so many times last year when Shingo was was farting around in the King of Pro Wrestling BS. No, yeah. he is a main eventer. Yeah, keep him in the main event. Put him in the main event. You get these classic matches, and he had another classic match with Okada earlier today. That was great, but the match I really want to talk about, and that is the Loser Leaves Japan match, and that was Hikaleo versus Jay White. On paper, I say that. What? Yes, Loser Leaves Japan. Hikaleo, brother of Tamatanga uh, against Jay freaking White. Dax, oh, wow. guess who lost that match? Am I going to be surprised by saying this? Am I going to be wrong if I say Jay White lost? Jay White lost. Wow. Oh, this is big. Yep. So, is, a lot of speculation. There, a lot of speculation. Yeah, what's going about on? About that. He's not a guy that's going to be just sitting around anywhere. Yep. Where is it? Is it already set in stone or do we? are we still guessing on the possibilities of where he can go? I think we're guessing still in the pond. That, look, the... Rumor and, and and stories and whatever they're leaning towards Stamford slash Orlando heavily. Whoa! Uh, but you know we'll see, Whoa. right? We'll see, we'll see, we'll see where the tide goes. You know, there's a lot. A lot of people are saying Stamford. Obviously, the three big contenders are this: Stamford, WWE. 
you know, you got the AEW stuff as well. Uh, but then there's other people who, and I think these are people just trying to grasp on to whatever they can, right? And they're like, no, it's it's loser leaves Japan, not loser leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling. So he's going to be in America taking American dates, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? I don't see New Japan keeping him in in strong like there's strong, why no. why <laughs> why and and new japan is very big on their um you know on 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 their gimmicks so they're not just going to randomly bring them back in a year right and with zero well, not to mention like he's been highly invested in to be just laying around as strong like no disrespect to strong but that's like saying no disrespect to rampage either yeah exactly in, in a sense exactly <laughs> so we'll see what happens so jay white Losing against Hikaleo. Uh, so that, and again, another amazing match. This match made Hikaleo. Hikaleo is so, he, he's the new, he's the newest of the, of the brothers. And yeah. let me tell you this. I honestly, Jay White, if this was his last match in New Japan Pro Wrestling, what a way to go. Giving wow. Hikaleo a performance of a lifetime, making us believe that Hikaleo could be a star and going out, you know, uh, staring at lights like what, what, what a classy guy right there right he's one of my favorite hills yeah you know oh, we, oh, yeah. we always talk about mjf we have talked about jay white for quite some time especially more of the cult hardcore fans who watch new japan but he is he's kind of like he you know we we haven't seen marty skull for good reason for quite a while but in terms of hill marty skull like he's kind of like in that realm of like sinister you know um, you know, really fiendish type of hill, yeah, type of deal, and yeah. we don't have that much, and it and still makes it believable, not too cartoony or comic booky. What I like about Jay White, what I like about MJF, and those type of heels is that they don't try to be the be the cool heel for the most part. MJF is starting right. to try to be a little cool. I think he's starting to buy his own hype. Um, that's what I've noticed ever since he became champ, right? Where he's yeah. not going out there to be like an asshole and just be the asshole. He's trying to he's 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 got some cool elements to him, but I think that's a little natural. But what mm -hmm. the point I'm trying to make is that people like Jay White, people like MJF. People like Grayson Waller in NXT, they don't want to be the cool heel. They're there to be right. heels. They're there to be booed. They're there to be the bad guys, if we're going to talk in layman terms, right? Um, so, <laughs> And I respect those guys so much because they're giving up, you know, a piece of the pie by playing the heel. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, it does bounce back in the, in, in the bucks pretty sure. much. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. Look what so, it did to the horsemen. That, that's exactly it, right? It, it comes in many ways. And when you do shift back to being a face, if done properly, oh, man, you're going to be you're going to be raking in the cash. But, you know, this day and age, right. you know, there's enough heel merch out there that, uh, you know, and, and people who who will buy your stuff regardless. Um, so, you know, it's not a huge. Which is really funny in a sense, because I remember a time there wasn't merchandise for the bad guy yeah like it was but that wasn't supposed to be what it was like you're not supposed to root for the bad guy so the bad guy wouldn't get it they would get you know they'd probably get the profits to the good guys and make like the dusty roses and everything and then you get a profit of that i guess <laughs> yeah i wonder how i always that thought worked. that was funny i wonder how that worked really like you know because like as a heel you're you're literally on if if if, if everything that we know how how payouts worked 
you're yeah. not getting as much as a face, right? So I wonder, I wonder what incentives there were. Uh, I agree. What, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in it. Yeah. All right. We've been chatting and rambling enough. I think it's time to quickly talk some AEW Rampage. What you think of the episode? Not the solid episode. I actually liked it better than last week, and um, I thought it was solid. I thought it was solid and fun. Um, I'm noticing the women's division is starting to warm up. I'm starting to see some heat. That it's the type of heat I wanted to see from the women's division too. So, all in all, really, really fun show. Yep, agreed, agreed, agreed. I, I, this was this was an episode, right? Four matches, tons of stuff. Feels. Mm-hmm. This hour just feels like, you know, you're on speed or something like it just it just flies by and it's nonstop. And mm-hmm. what what really helps it or doesn't help. it I don't know what way you want to look at it is the fact that there's always <laughs> picture in picture. Uh, so it's kind of like nonstop hour. And then that's always good. Yeah. But man, sometimes it's crazy. Uh, so obviously show starts right off and we get right into stuff as as the Blackpool Combat Club or what's left of it. Um, John Moxley, Claudio Castanoli, and Wheeler Yuta went up against Kip Sabian, The Butcher, and The Blade. Okay, we got to talk about Butcher real quick because uh, he cut off the uh, the hair, and he, I, you know, he always wore that gear. Yeah. But the hair, with now that he's bald, I'm sorry, he looks like he's cosplaying superstar Billy Graham, the Karate Kung Fu years. <laughs> he slash. Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> exactly. It, actually, probably you're probably more accurate on that note. <laughs> Dr. Re- Dr. Eggman as a wrestler. That's awesome. Yeah, he just reminds me of Robotnik. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I'm switching gears quickly. When did Dr. Robotnik get renamed to Dr. Eggman? Like, when was this a thing? Actually, here's the story. Dr. Eggman is what they called him in Japan. Robotnik is what they called him in America. Then they just mashed them together. And that's it. <laughs> it's 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 like the old whenever see back in the day in the nineties, especially Japan, when they had a game in Japan, they had the original names of the, what they had, but they didn't think they were you know localizing it to the U.S. It was going to reach the same because they didn't think they were at the time. We probably weren't going to be as sophisticated with it. Like that's why in Street Fighter they changed a lot of the names. Bison, you know, Balrog, and that, and they didn't, didn't want to get sued by Mike Tyson. Yeah, so that kind of played that factor too. But um, yeah, this was just another one of those, you know, let's call them something that sounds more localized to the target audience that we have. So they Robotnik sounded a little bit more better because that's what we were into. Those type of names is what we were into in the 90s. All right. There you go. Thank you for that. I, 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 I just like literally from one day to the next, I feel like, you know, when the Dreamcast game came out, he was just Dr. Eggman. It's like, no, he's Robotnik. God damn it. Well, with the reason I think the reason for that is because we started getting uh, becoming more privy to what's going on in Japan. Yeah, you know, from all the tape trading that we did back then, and now we, you know, they realized that we were buying me, me personally, especially, we're buying import games. Yep. from there, so we were into the culture a little bit more. So I think they realized that they found out about that, and it was like, you know what, they love they love the original aspect of it. Let's just assimilate it in. And as you see, like as the years and decades go on, they really just whatever you see in Japan, a lot of times just comes exactly, you know, appropriation, you know, just comes exactly the way it does. And, you know, originally as is original packaging, so to speak. Yes. All right. Let's talk about this match. This match was pretty fun. 
yeah. result, never in doubt, but it was still a good match. <laughs> AEW, please keep building uh, Sabian Butcher Blade this way. Keep giving them good matches. Don't I stop like the three. momentum. I like the three together. I like the fact that Sabian and Butcher are and Blade are, are friends literally because their valets are best friends. That's right. the only reason. And I love that they pointed that out, too. Uh, Ex- Excalibur, uh, as always, points it out. Yeah, like everyone's been... Well, we're talking to wrestling fans, so I'm not sure if this holds true. We've all been in that relationship. <laughs> I'm no kidding. disclaimer, just all just no lube. Just go right in. Go I ahead. Know, right? <laughs> no, we've all been in that relationship where you know you're you're friends with some douchebag. Not friends, your acquaintances, but you're forced to be friends with someone because you're your gals are friends or whatever oh, whatever God, way yeah. you want to put it, right? You're friends with someone yeah. because of your partner. Right. Y'all have nothing in common. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I will say, you know, I enjoyed this match and I want to see more trios competition because all this talk about having trios titles now, because we've been wanting it forever because we kept seeing these trios matches and didn't win a trios titles came. We barely see it. Now yeah. I want to see more non-title matches and, and just competition of, you know, these groups that are that we've been dying to see. That, that's the thing that really, it, it's so weird. AEW does a great job of building stuff up, but then when you get what you want. So, for example, when someone becomes a champion, I feel like they fizzle out a lot, right? Yeah. Hangman Page, Thunder Rosa, uh, mm-hmm. prime examples of this. They just fizzle out a shit ton um and then the trios division ever they would like it was trios galore until the belts were came and then well we all know why stuff happened but you know then it just cooled off big time and now you're not even seeing that many trios matches uh so like the big question that always gets asked is who is next who's next to face right. the elite so they gotta create realistic teams again and realistic opponents right Question. Actually, I haven't mm-hmm. noticed this. Did they drop the wins and losses in AEW this year? It looks like they did. And I'm a little bit upset about that because I think that was one of the things that made them like significant and distinct. Yeah. And I don't understand why it, it why it's hard to keep a record of wins and losses. Now, granted, no, I, I think they did, but they they're they're like it's not consistent. Because they yeah. did, I remember in the beginning of the year, you know, they said once the uh, once the year begins, they a whole new record starts. So they are, but they're not keeping. Cons- like I don't like. Why can't they hire somebody or put somebody in charge of keeping track of it or create a numeric system that can you know tally up who's when what? Like it's an easy Excel sheet. Yeah, <laughs> Matt can do it. Matt loves Excel. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> I think when they dropped rankings. They looked at it and said, well, if we're not doing rankings, then we might as well not do wins, losses. I think those go hand in hand to a certain extent. Um, it just, it, Yeah, but I agree with you. That was one of those things that gave you that real sports feel. Uh, but I think that it hindered them to a certain extent. And, you know, the fans that AEW catered to the most are the fans who kind of criticized it the most. Of course. And I, I, I felt I thought it brought in some great storytelling in, in my work. And that's why I was always upset with UFC. It's like, what's the point of you guys having a ranking system when you let some, like a fifth rank 
go straight to the uh you know number one contendership when and the you know the number two dude is just just waiting there yeah. as he still dominates people yeah exactly all right fun match Claudio lands a suplex, gets, goes for a pin, Sabian breaks it up. You had to climb to the top. He leapt onto the butcher, who's on the outside. Sabian went for a springboard, but Moxley broke it up with a cutter. Claudio followed that up with his finisher on the blade for the win in 13 minutes, 25 seconds. Result never in doubt, but a fun match nonetheless. Do you think that this is a means for them to... Uh you know, to uh, start a rivalry between them and uh, the elite, because I would love to see that. Look, and it's got to happen at some point. I think Moxley is the like he's the ace of AEW right now. I think he's doing some amazing work uh, overall, and he's really he's saved them. Right. Um, but I think it's time to kind of move him out of the main event scene. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that teaming him up with Castanoli and Yuta would be fantastic because I think the work yeah. that they'd have with the elite would be great. So I that that was my first thought is I hope this is the road to them facing the elite in some shape or form for the for the trio's title. I, I, I like it because it I like that idea because I've seen it before, like in terms of Dusty Rhodes when he was the world champion for the he was for the third time. And then after that he just decided to step back and be, you know, go to go for the United States title after a while. Yeah. And in in the six man tie tag with the road wears and all the stuff. And so he did other angles and everything because he's already established himself, but it gives them him stepping back gives other people the opportunity. Gives, but he still knows that he's that guy. It gives people the opportunity and and he gives the rub to the other titles, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Which is a win, 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 win. Win three times because it's true. And then he can always go back at any time. Exact. That's exactly it, right? Whenever you, here's the thing. Whenever you need a, a legit contender, throw in Moxley. He can play yeah. a face or a heel. But that's why it's always important to understand why you should appreciate the history of wrestling because you can always go back and say, well, this guy was a uh, two-time champion and all the stuff, and he's had the longest reign or whatever like that. So if anybody has a chance, and if you keep him relevant and winning – you know, it still encourages fans to say like, oh, this is going to be good because he's a great contender. Where I think I hate the fact that we still think about it from a, you know, behind the scenes standpoint and rather just an actual sports spectator standpoint, because that's when you kind of lose the the zest of being a sports fan. And I think a lot of fans today growing up into that mindset of behind the scenes, you know, um, mindset and behind the curtain mindset is that you never got a chance to, you know, to enjoy this as what they're trying to portray, and that's the sport. That's what I always say, right? Like, the thing that sometimes gets to me about watching so much wrestling, not watching so much wrestling, but reporting on so much wrestling, analyzing, mm-hmm. reviewing so much wrestling, is that I do miss out and on watching it as a fan, right? So anytime I can yeah. watch a show and just sit down and watch as a fan, oh, man, I have so much fun, right? Like, right. I, I find that I enjoy it more because I'm not overanalyzing every single little thing exactly. that happens in the matches. Which we never did in the 80s, 70s, 60s, and before that. Like, of course, they were kayfabe, so you, they didn't let us know. But here's my, here, to anybody listening, here's my proposal to all of you. You know how we have these get-togethers every once in a while where you kind of got to put your phone away? <laughs> yeah. I propose that all of you, if you go gather with your friends and how about watch it from a perspective of a sports fan rather than a directorial mindset? Try to do that. See if you enjoy it a little bit more. Just whatever's going on in the ring, not 
thinking about what is going on behind the scenes and whatnot, just enjoying exactly what's going on bell for bell. See what happens. I, I it's I, it's going to be hard to do. <laughs> it's very but, easy. Let me tell you. So, ooh, that was that was loud. Let me tell you this. <laughs> uh, that is so much easier done than said. I'm sure. And and that's why I said I, I challenge. I know that. <laughs> I, it's not easier said than done. It's actually easier done than said. Uh, so perfect example of that is a few weeks ago, Royal Rumble went, watched, brought my buddy over, Kevin, Kevin O'Leary, the real Kevin O'Leary, mm-hmm. as I say, the guy who writes a lot of our theme music, um, mm-hmm. went upstairs and watched Royal Rumble with Matt. And dude, I, I think I picked up my phone like twice and I sat down and watched the show as a fan. And that's why both of us enjoyed Royal Rumble that much more because we, you know, we 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 just enjoyed it. We just watched it as fans, and I love being able to do that. It's like when I watch wrestling with someone who's not one of us. Mm-hmm. You know, I tend to watch it as a fan, and I also see it from their eyes, right? Like I see their reaction and stuff like that. Right. Um, watching it with like you know uh, a lady or something is is very different. Because obviously that's like the most embarrassing episode of wrestling that you can find, um, you know, like where where just ludicrous <laughs> stuff happens. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I, I I enjoy watching wrestling as a fan as much as humanly possible, especially nowadays when I don't get to do that. And I'm the idiot who like, you know, there's a show on, I don't have to cover it, but I'm like, ooh, I should cover that just because I want to cover <laughs> it, right? But like, I need to right. stop doing that. I need to just like sit back watch as a fan more often because it's just you just enjoy the product more i think everybody does i think if you whatever whichever one you watch whatever you watch just cut your mind off for a little for like an hour or two and just see how that works see what happens you might actually enjoy it much better here's here's how people should watch wrestling watch wrestling as a fan come back listen to us and dissect (laughs) with us as we dissect the shows upset (laughs) <laughs> All right. After the match, we got a video, an ominous message from Darby, Allen, and Sting. They said they are going to go out in a blaze of glory. And uh, did anybody think Inferno match? Just out of curiosity. That was literally the first thing that I thought. <laughs> let's hope not. I don't know what that means, but let's see how to see where Dude, they go with this. Darby, Allen, I don't want to see him near fire. I don't want to see that guy near thumbtacks. I don't want to see Darby Allen near a steel cage. I don't want to see him near a ladder ever again. You know? He is wrestling's Gonzo from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> he truly is. Just put him in a cannon, let him go, see what happens. Oh, Gonzo. Uh, Muppet babies. <laughs> that's, that's... Do you think this actually, I mean, going down to Blaze of Glory, does this have anything to do with, you know, our countdown to Sting retiring? Yeah, I think so. I really do think so. I think that's what all of this is building up to. I don't know. Even when Darby Allen beat Joe a few weeks ago for the TNT mm-hmm. title, um, for some reason I thought Sting was going to turn on him then. I don't know why. It just I just felt like that's where they're building everything towards. Not maybe not a turn, but you know the all-encompassing passing of the torch. Maybe that's yeah. the blaze of glory. That could be it. That could absolutely be it. I, I think I think much better because I don't think people would take Sting as a hill. They no, tried. Not now. Not now. Not you know, like, I actually, honestly, not ever. I didn't. He was a hill in TNA, right? Uh, kind of when he was the, like the crazy Joker Sting. 
Well, that no, that or um, oh, it was the was club. In, yeah, when he was in uh, him, Booker T, Samoa Joe, and yeah, which actually that was for for a short bit. I actually liked that that uh, group until I think they added Hogan or something to it. <laughs> I forgot the name of Maybe that group. Mafia. But it was, yes. Yes, exactly. I was digging that for a short minute, and then like when I was actually watching TNA, and then they just went too far with it. It already run its course. Yeah, <laughs> that was a problem with TNA. TNA was very good at introducing stuff, but then they just like, you know, killed a dead horse, and they yeah yeah kept going at it. So we'll see where this whole Darby Allen and Sting stuff is going. How do I sound to you? So last week I broke my headset and this headset, I just don't like for recording because you went super saying, yeah, I I just, I just don't like, (laughs) no, you sound awesome. I just don't like the way that it sounds. All right. We got a tease between a, uh, an interview between Adam Cole and Renee Paquette. We're going to be seeing that in all its glory on Wednesday Back from the break, we got a backstage promo from Ricky Starks, who said he's going to go through all of his jazz, and he's starting with Daniel Garcia next week. All right. That should be good. It should be good, and I'm looking forward to it. But this is where, you know, the, the I guess the finicky Boris hat has to come and play. How many times in AEW are they going to do this, having to go through the entire group or many stages of hell or whatever you want to do before you get to the final boss? That is becoming their niche. That's becoming their niche and a trope right now. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. All right. Impractical Jokers introduced. Uh, They had Jericho's bat. When I said this was a fun show, I excluded this segment. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I didn't watch live because I was watching Last of Us while this show was happening. But I for- and I forgot to turn off notifications on my thread. So as everyone posted, I'm like, oh god, I was like, well, what are people talking about? And I saw your post, and as soon as I watched the show later on, I'm like, ah, oh, I know what he's talking about now. <laughs> Yeah, while you were watching Last of Us, I was the first of them to actually say this sucked. <laughs> I, 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 look, I know the, the uh, impractical jokers have an, a you know a niche uh, following, and they they I guess they're rated you know fairly well in on for their shows, but I just didn't find this anywhere helping AEW at all. This just felt like goofy WWE. No, actually, I I, I only want to say that because WWE actually does celebrities right. I'll give them that credit. Whenever they do have celebrities on, I've no, you know, at, in the years that I watched, they are fairly good with you, the use of um, celebrities. This was more like TNA to this, me than anything. Agreed. Look, I know Quinn is a huge wrestling fan. I listen to his podcast uh, on the uh, Kevin Smith Network. Right, he's part of mm-hmm. the Tell Him Steve Dave podcast. The Smartcast, uh, yeah. Yep. So I, I, I know Quinn, and I know he's a huge wrestling fan. Um, so cool. That's fantastic. But honestly, this felt more like a edict from WB saying you must promote impractical jokers or else. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it was like, and maybe they could have just executed better, but I mean, it wasn't bad in terms of like them taking a bump and everything. Cause I thought they took the bump very well and everything, but just the lead into Jericho and everything, it just, it fell flat. It felt really flat and out of place. And it kind of just, diluted the the 
enjoyment of the entire show to an extent. Like it didn't take away everything, but it was just like, I wish they would have not done this at yeah. all or done it on their platform. Agreed. Agreed. Jericho angry stands up on the commentary table. The Jokers made small dick jokes via euphemisms. Jericho said he has big balls. Jericho said he's not taking his bat back because his friends will take it back instead. Uh, Jericho Preaching Society comes out. Daddy Magic gripped the bat. The Jazz beat the Jokers down. The Jokers were put through a table. Let's just move on. All right. Lexi <laughs> catches up with Dustin Rose and what looked like an empty warehouse. Interesting. This was location. a better segment. Much better segment. <laughs> Dustin said when Swerve mentioned the Rhodes name, he crossed the line. Dustin told Swerve to listen carefully, and he said Swerve will not tarnish his family's name. Dustin said he's coming for Swerve's blood and soul, and Swerve's dudes appeared. Uh, there was some cussing. Swerve's dudes beat up Dustin. Swerve then stood over Dustin and said, <laughs> next week, Dustin versus Swerve. Next week, and then happy Black History Month. The I line of my week. <laughs> I rolled when he said that. I was like, yo, that I'm loving Swerve. By, like, it, what's not to like, but he finds a way to become a significant, distinguished hill like anybody's ever seen. Yep. Like, he's a hill, but he's not playing up to the stereotypes of what you thought a hill is or what a black person is as a hill. And I love that part. And he, he just seems so on point with how he does it. And then on top of that, I'm really actually starting to warm up to these two thugs, these bebop and rock steady thugs that he has up here. So <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, hopefully they won't be as goofy for him, you know, being the shredder of this whole thing, but like, we'll see how this goes. Um, so far so good with him. That was literally the greatest comparison I've ever seen out of that. <laughs> oh, my God. Look, Swerve, uh, Matt and I praised his glories so much, so much while he was in NXT. So happy yeah. when he moved to the main roster. But, you know, that was that. So yeah. I'm happy that he found his footing in AEW. And he's being given the opportunity because that's something that yes. it's hard to come by in AEW is being given that opportunity to yes. be featured week in and week out whether it be on rampage or dynamite right there's just right. so many roster spots and not enough segments on tv for everyone right agree and he's he's not taking it for granted at all i mean like and, and on top of that like he just comes off as a really dope nice dude you know on the long run so he's kind of he has he has some humble tendencies to him regardless of what you see on uh on tv he know he, he's very in control of himself all right, match number two of the night. Ruby Soho versus Marina Shafir. Not too much to this match. Six minutes, 35 seconds. Uh, commercial break in between. But back from the break, Soho slammed Shafir. She got a two count. Soho went for a stomp from the top, but Shafir moved. Blocked a no future attempt. Soho landed a headbutt and destination unknown for the win. I got to give Sh um, Marina Shafir some praise a little bit because I'm thinking she's finding her groove. I'm seeing that she's starting to get, um, you know, get in her comfort zone. And I think oddly, I think it has to do with her not wearing boots. Huh? 100%. I think her being in her mixed martial arts element is kind of giving her the opportunity to be herself and be comfortable with herself in the ring because that's what she originally is doing, but she wants to implement that in there. You can do both. And you know, Ken Shamrock likes boots. 
She doesn't. Ronda Rousey can handle with boots. She doesn't have to have boots, but is whatever it takes to get you in the groove. And I think that she's starting to warm up, and I dig it. And in the ring with with Ruby Soho, it you know felt like they were both comfortable with each other, not holding back. I, I you know I'm, I'm seeing a lot of this with a lot of the wrestlers that um that are happening right now with the female division at best. So I'm I'm there's some I'm having good hopes here in yep. terms of that. Just remember, D Light said it best. The groove is in the heart. So do Boom. what makes you feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Yeah, I dropped that reference. <laughs> and now that's in my head. So thank you. <laughs> Anytime. All right. After the match, Soraya interrupted Soho's celebration. Soraya said she wanted to have a chat, but Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter ran out to attack Soraya and Tony Storm. Soho stood in the ring and watched everyone fight. Uh, that was that. I'm still confused by why Soraya and Tony Storm randomly turn heel. Yeah, it was. I think because it was just. I don't think it was just. It was way too rapid. I don't want to say random. It was just too rapid of a turn. They didn't give time. They didn't give any prelude to this happening and why it happened. It just happened, you know. And it, we're just supposed to just like, okay, this is happening. Let's just go with. The, let's just go. You know, with, with the flow of it and. You know, it was such a rush. It was a rush that it need to, but we're going to do it. And okay, yeah, it. Everybody at least is playing their part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, backstage, Mark Briscoe is set to talk, and he says he's feeling really good. He says things are going as good as they can be. That's when Smart Mark interrupts him. Asked Mark Briscoe if he wanted to work with him. Briscoe said no. Briscoe put hands on Smart Mark, and Josh Wood stopped Briscoe. That was that setting up a good future segment. Josh Woods versus Mark Briscoe match. That should be a good. That was a good segment. That should be a really good match. Um, I, I tell you, man. I mean, with everything that happened with the Briscoes, I mean, me being at the Murphy Rec Center, you know, at 2002, watching the Briscoes and seeing their transformation is amazing. I mean, people, if any reason to get the uh the, you know the honor club prescri- uh subscription because now there was a point that they didn't have all the library there but now they got 2002 until now they got it all in go back and watch the briscoes since day one and watch them now in the transformation it's such an amazing them and and jay lethal do one of the best transformations i've ever seen in wrestling yeah i'm trying to think i would put brian danielson <laughs> up in that that list I would, but he, he kind of still has always been the same dude to me. He's just now getting a chance to be on a mic better, but he's still the same dude. Whereas Jay and Mark were just two young boys listening to hip hop. They used to come into the ring with uh, Nas's godsons. Yep. Uh, I carried a cross, yep. you know what I'm saying? And then went to give me back my bullet. And then, you know, <laughs> to that point, and then, became them boys from there and when they started talking they never they were never really good on a mic and they never carried the carried the character the character was always in the ring but now their character is just full-on blown up charismatic animated i love it it's just so amazing when i see this mark briscoe now just like when i went i think i went back to ring of honor um to see a show at the 2300 arena years ago and it was my first time seeing jay lethal this this new version of Jay Lethal, who is now carrying the television title and the world title, and I seen him come out to the ring, and he just felt like such a top talent. And I never saw this part of Jay Lethal before. It was just an amazing, awesome, absolute thing. And these guys, 
you know, kudos to them. Kudos to them, man. I'm so glad that they're in this platform right now. Yeah, the 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 truth martini era of uh, Jay Lethal was fun. Oh, man. The Larry Sweeney era at that. Yeah. All right. Next match. Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Ryan Nemeth. Not much to this match. Went one minute, 22 second. Uh, uh, they start fighting. They're battling a top rope. Ended up with Nemeth turned a splash into a pin after a roll through. That earned him a two count. Perry rebounded well, landed an elbow strike to the back of Nemeth's head for the win. Brian Cage walks onto the stage, uh, and he has a stare down. He gave him bedroom eyes to the Jungle Boy <laughs> Jack Perry. I, you know, I love. It was a solid. It was a really cool, quick, uh, solid match. Um, Brian Nemeth is solid. I want to like him more, but I find myself not liking him personality wise and maybe it's because of why i watch bte is like the worst segments on bte sometime yeah on there but um in the ring he's pretty he's pretty damn good um he's good for what they use him for and it was a good match i'm looking forward to seeing what jungle boy and a uh, cage will do but didn't they already did they i'm all right didn't they already fight i feel like they did i'm pretty sure they did. yeah so do i but it should be good funny brian cage's contract is coming up let's throw him on tv and make him happy as much as humanly possible Mm-hmm. After months and months and months of him not being around, <laughs> I love wrestling. To be a booker, Ortez then got a vignette. Ortiz, Ortez, or I don't know who the hell Ortez <laughs> is. Ortiz got a vignette, and he calls out Eddie Kingston. No, that should be a good match. I, I think this is this is the uh, Jay versus Mark type of match where like these guys are just gonna battle it out, and then they're gonna you know be friends again type of situation. At least I think that's what's going to happen. All right. We talked about this last time that we spoke together on this show. We're going to talk about it right now. That's the Mark Henry segment. What do you feel about this This one new... kind of fell off for me. It did. It did. We got another pre you, you, You're not. The, I'm not the only one? Okay. No. It, 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 there was something off about his uh, presentation this time around. Yep. Danhausen speaks for Cassidy. Then we, uh, that was uh, pretty much that. Uh, I just did it, it. This one, that's literally all the notes I took because it just, yeah. there wasn't much to it. It, it. I mean, between how he presented them and then the package, this one, it just, this was far from the best. This may actually be the worst that he's, that they've done because he's never usually, he's usually more enthusiastic. Didn't get that from this, this time. Yeah, maybe he was tired. I don't know. He just, he felt off. It probably he was like off. the 12th hour or something like that. Right. Uh, we from there we get a Hangman Page backstage interview with Renee Paquette. Hangman calls out the fact that Renee is the one interviewing him. Hangman said that the next time Renee sees John, dot dot dot, Kip Sabian interrupts him, and he calls out Hangman for moaning while Sabian takes it like a man. Didn't really understand that one. Don't know where they were going with that one. I, yeah, I guess they were just throwing something out there to see if it stick. But yeah, I mean, it, it's not that it didn't make sense, but it's like it's just being proud to lose. Pretty much is what you're promoting. <laughs> yeah, that's literally it. Literally, it. you know, just you know, you lose, take it, take it in the chin, and just keep going. I guess. Yeah. Sabian said Hangman should grow up. Hangman said he was getting out before he beat Sabian's ass. You know, in a sense, Sabian's kind of the babyface in this segment. When you think about it, yeah. Yeah, he really was. (laughs) Hangman showing those heel tendencies. And I think we're going to get the full heel turn when he faces Moxley next. Hmm. That'll be interesting. All right. 
Orange Cassidy versus Lee Moriarty for the AEW All-Atlantic title. Man, I love Lee Moriarty. Yeah, he's one of those cats that's just like he, I think, what do we think, like a year or two when people start really paying attention to him? Dude, I've been paying attention to him for about a year now, a year and a half. Well, right? you're, you're, you're a very uh, intricate guy who, uh, who sees things that other people don't before they can. So, I mean, that's one thing. But, like, I think more of the crowd will start. I, and, and I think also when he finally finds his, his real character, his, the ability's there. His personality hasn't gotten out, hasn't caught up with it. Yeah. I would love to see Lee Moriarty with Swerve. Just for the yeah, simple I was fact thinking that the same thing too. It was like they, they, they're, I feel like they're the same character. Yeah, in a good way. In a good way. Now, I think I think if he got he he hunger like there's I was always told when growing up that you are who you hang around, and if so you the, hang uh, around the right people, you can get that kind of rub. And if you're around Swerve, you're gonna get that swag. So then I must be. I a think he sexy needs a little bit more swag in his in his routine. So I must be a sexy bitch because I hang around a lot of sexy bitches. <laughs> Enough said, folks. Enough said. All right. Or Cassidy. Stop. Lee- <laughs> I stop while I'm ahead. I say what I got to say. And just move on. Um, <laughs> and then I wonder why people don't take me serious. <laughs> oh, Lordy. I'm tired today, man. Orange Cassidy, Lee Moriarty, very good match. Cassidy, I'm really liking this more serious Cassidy that we're seeing in the ring. This is the Orange Cassidy that I like. And still managed to keep a little bit of chill with him, too. So, I mean, I I don't mind that at all. Yep. He just reminds me of every high friend that I had in in high school and (laughs) university. Like That's literally why I really like Orange Cassidy. Those are pretty good people to be around sometime. Oh, even yeah. if you don't partake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cassidy jumps to the outside, hits a tornado DDT in the ring. Cassidy follows it up with a diving DDT. Cassidy went for the orange punch. Moriarty counters it with a beautiful-looking lariat. Uh, Cassidy comes right back, though, with a stun gun millionaire. Cassidy then lands the orange punch, but he couldn't immediately pin Moriarty. Uh, the be- all the stuff happened, and Moriarty came back with his version of the STF. The two roll around for a second, uh, and then Cassidy got the crazy surprise pin on Moriarty uh, in 11 minutes, 30 seconds. After the match, your boy, Jeff Jarrett, comes out, and <laughs> um, Jarrett and Lethal come out to attack Cassidy and Danhausen with a Golden Globe. Jared's crew cleaned the house, but then we see the acclaimed come out and the acclaimed clean house to end the show. And that was interesting that they came out too, because I'm like, okay, are they just moving away from this whole thing? What's going on with that? Right. The fact that you're already throwing them in something new is like, who shit. I mean, technically new, they were already in the mix of that, but it's like, okay, what are you doing? Yeah. I don't get what you're doing. Who's unless, unless, are they going to is FTR coming back? That's literally what I was going to say. It's the only way that I will accept the acclaim just being completely taken out of the, the tag team title picture is if FTR comes back. I hope that's the case because those guys were on absolute fire <laughs> like nobody's business. And, and kudos to Max for that, for his uh, latest uh, spit 
last uh, on Wednesday when he spoke uh, in Spanish and still made that rhyme. He is officially the best that ever done it. I'm sorry. Yeah, he is. 100% he, he is. Like, there's been other people who've done it before. And, like, I, Cena, surprisingly, was good. But, like, Max, the fact that he's doing it every week and he does it to the same, you know, beat. And he manages to make something else that is so riveting. And he always, uh, you know, assimilate politics into it. So, it's like, you know where your head is at there. It's not easy. For a young guy, it's not easy to do, folks. For a young guy, he knows what's up, and he's learned from past uh, mistakes. And that's the beauty yeah. when you give and you accept people's apologies. People can grow up and they can move Preach on. It. And this is a perfect segue to literally, as we were talking, I was reading because I can do twenty things at once. This <laughs> Esquire article on Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. This this. Yeah. Oh, he's such a good guy. If we spent half, if we spent half the time not talking about the differences but the similarities between us, the entire planet would have a shift in the way we deal with each other. As humans, we are obsessed with race, and that obsession can really hinder people's uh, aspirations, hinder yeah. people's growth. Racism should be a topic for discussion. Sure, racism is very real, but from my perspective, it's only as powerful as you allow it to be. I stopped describing myself as a black actor when I realized it put me in a box. We've got to yeah. grow. As you get up the ladder, you get asked what it's like to be the first black man to do this or that. Well, it's the same as it would be if I were white. It's the first time yep. for me. I don't want to be the first black. I'm the first Idris. You know what? Funny you said that. I will also add on Simu uh, Liu, who is uh, Shang-Chi. Yep. I just listened to uh, you know the Apple TV fitness uh, app that I have. You know, they have the walking uh, apps where they have celebrities, you know, walk and talk. He talked about that same situation, talking about like, you know, the only thing that bothers him about doing interviews is that, you know, somebody's going to ask about what does it feel like to be in the first Asian superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe when he knows that white, you know, white actors don't get that question at all. It's, just, it's you know, those are the similarities that we're talking yeah. about here. I, I read this book during the pandemic because the, the Toronto Library had this thing where they would, uh, you you could get a library card regardless. And I didn't have one for the longest time. Um, yeah. And I'm like grateful that they just offered it to you and you were able to check out books. Anyways, I was, I, I, I took on like some, some, some reading that I normally don't do. And one of the books was about like racism and it featured a, a prominent Latina professor and kind of her trials and tribulations of being a Latina um, yeah. throughout, you know, the education we like like we can write books about like how you know higher education is just this this weird fucked up thing right yeah um and she essentially said the same thing right her takeaways was this similar to what idris said here is i'm the you know i'm me i'm the first me i'm the only me this is my story right. uh yeah i'm proud of my heritage but my heritage doesn't define me and the second right. take major takeaway from that book was the fact that she said, you know, people get angry when they've had everything given to them. And like she meant white people. And, you know, the attention is starting to be taken away from them. Right. So it feels like yeah. they're being oppressed. But it's not that yeah. they're being oppressed is that they're not being given everything they used to and they're not used to that. Right, exactly. The, the whole change aspect. I'm having discussions with my, being that this is Black History Month, I'm having discussions with my wife about this. My wife, for those who don't know, is from India, um, born born from India, adopted and raised in here in the U.S. Um, but she still 
is learning about the aspects because, you know, it's like an unconscious bias where you don't know, you know, these things, but you, you know, them, un, you know, unknowingly, I guess you would say, but I had to tell her like, cause she hears this stuff, but she doesn't witness it. And, but being around me and going through what I went through, you know, she kind of sees it, but doesn't see it to this depth. We just went to Wanda Sykes, uh, Netflix special last week and she spoke a little bit about it so she can relate. Now we have it on, on, footage that that can rewind to make sure that she remembers (laughs) what Wanda talked about in terms of we can't get everything. We can't do everything that you got that everybody can do because of who we are and how the microscope that we're looked at. And we're also looking at the 1619 project as well, which is the most notorious book ever in TV special ever on in the U S here. But they're showing they bringing things to light in terms of what we went through in, in, you know, in the past and, it's just about knowing and it's not about like uh, it's not about vilifying it's just about knowing with the past and how do we get over get along with it from now and nope. how do we and one of those things is just what idris said and what uh, simu said just accept us as the talent as the ability as the skills that we are and let's move on from there let it not be based on anything else yeah and i think that's the thing right we obsess over putting these people of color and on these mm-hmm. pedestals, yeah. and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's you're 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 making a bigger deal of of their situation, but you know, but we're not taking a look at the bigger picture, and I think that that's the thing, and that's the scary part, right? That's not the scary part, but that's like the slippery slope, I should say. So yeah. I'm really hoping that like people, like more people, start talking the way that Idris uh, talked, right? Because I think that's the conversation that we should be having as opposed to many other conversations if you obviously look, if you obviously, look to the past we need it before we get there we obviously yeah, we need to uh admit that there is a systemic Thank issue you. that's step one yes accountability yes. is a big big deal and once you're not afraid to be held accountable because i had to do it myself I, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now if i would if i didn't you know own up to my mistakes and then giving the opportunity to re- to redeem them and that's, that's the difference is getting the opportunity to to be not the person i was before but be better and learn from it and i think too too many of us today are too much afraid to do that rather to accept people's uh redemption or to get it Jay Briscoe, or to give it perfect example of this a great example you know there you go no, Dude, i mean you can't get more example than that this is 10 years ago he was in his 20s he comes from hicktown usa right like i'm not saying i'm not forgiving him you know in the in that sense i'm not giving him yeah. a pass but you have to remember He's not asking. Where, <laughs> yeah you know you have to remember where he came from and then he grew from there he knew yes. he effed up and he grew from there. He apologized immensely and he tried to make amends. And you know what the most important thing to me is? You said this when we talked about Jay, and that's his peers forgave him. Yeah. His peers, the people who he talked to each and every day, the effies of the world, the people who he yep. directly like, you know, put down. And I think Effie said it best, where in a world where they should not have gone along in a world where everyone told him, Effie, that this guy's a bad guy. He right. saw different because, right. well, Jay acted different because he knew that his past caught up to him and he grew up from that. And I will tell you this. 
no more an example than him, you know, doing cheerleading practice with his daughter with a bow in his head. You do not like I I I know some some phobes out there. They would never go that far to try to prove a point. Yep. You know, unless they were really, really, you know, uh, empathetic about it. Yep. Yep. He, he fully he fully redeemed himself. Exactly. In my eyes. Same here. Same here. And then some. And then some. Um, and then but- on top of that, people, we're not perfect. None of us. None of us. We cut. We. No matter how we try to do go on about it on hiding behind the the, the uh, proverbial bushes of the of your social media account, none of us are perfect. We need to stop acting like it. Rocks, glass houses. Just remember that, right? Like there you go. I think that is the perfect way to end this episode. If we start Black History Month, and you know we really start reflecting on 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 everything that is right. And I think um, it's really important, especially uh, you know. You got a Latino man, you got a black man, and we're just talking, having fun, talking, wrestling. Uh, But, you know, we've seen stuff, we've heard stuff and everything. And you know what? At the end of the day, let's all just get along. Let's all just love each other. Let's all just just be humans. We're only here for a short amount of time. Let's leave the world better than than we got into it. Uh, And I know that's a very bold statement to say, but your world doesn't need to be the world. It could be your community. It can be your neighborhood. It can be whatever you deem your world. It's a very powerful thing to come together. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. All right. Man, this is a long one, but I love doing this. <laughs> 90 minutes later. He's the Xavier. I'm Boris. Thank you for listening. And just remember that we have so much on the network. Uh, a little bit of something for everybody. Go back and listen to all of the pop culture shows. Listen to all the wrestling shows. We got the Pre-Punch Podcast, which is the new MMA show. Listen to it all. Become part of the family. And you can do that for $5 each and every month. And you get about two shows every single day now. At least two shows every single day now. That's sense. That is sense for all the amazing content that amazing people produce. And I'm really looking forward to what SNME is going to be doing. Just remember next Saturday as well, Elimination Chamber, Matt and I are going to be coming at you (laughs) with the after party. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun. I think that's going to be a very huge show to talk about. Uh, So be sure to join us for that after party. Go on YouTube. And if you want to be part of the discussion, you have to be part of the family. And to be part of the family, that's patreon.com slash SNME Radio. Dax, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Stay tranquilo.